Everybody. Hell yeah. <sighs> Can't believe oh that worked. My God. <laughs> All right. Uh, so thank you so much. Um, I know that you you wanted uh, to kind of get in on this season, and I I figured what better way than to broadcast a pirate signal. And I thank you so much for aligning those towers. Yeah, I mean, I had to break maybe a few local ordinances, but you know, not worse for wear. Uh, I kind of forgot where we're here. Why are we here? We're here to talk about the spinoff of Final Fantasy that everyone really wants to talk about. Oh, yeah. It's time to finally talk about Final Fantasy, the spirits within. We're going to get so inside those spirits. Oh, it's I'm, I feel them inside of me right now. <laughs> I Penetrating deep. I got to say, I've never... I've never wanted to watch this movie more times in one year than I have in this entire instance. Sometimes you just wake up and you think, I want to watch Final Fantasy Spirits Within, but I also want to watch it 12 times. <laughs> I feel kind of the same way about some fast food. <laughs> like, I'll drive by every once in a while and I'm like, when's the last time that I actually had a burger from this fast food joint? Get it, eat it, immediately regret my entire existence. Yep. Then rinse and repeat. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't actually hate the time that I spent with this movie, but it, there are definitely some times in it that like, it overstates its welcome, and you can definitely feel that on like the <laughs> third time that you watch it within a month. I mean, <laughs> I just remember when this movie came out, I was so stoked for a Final Fantasy movie, and then I watched it, and I was like, where, when is the Final Fantasy? <laughs> I mean, they don't even say the titular, this is yeah. the Final Fantasy. The they don't even say within. they're tired of all these Final Fantasies. Yeah, I, <laughs> all these motherfucking Final these, Fantasies. these spirits like, within. Final Fantasies within. Yeah, but they, they do. They say something super close in the actual movie. They say this, uh, the spirit that dwells beneath. That's as close as they get to like a, a titular title. Like they even rob us of that. It's a, it's a look. It's actually a localization error. Like the Japanese is much. <laughs> is there even a Japanese? I try to think about that, but like, I think <laughs> I this movie was literally know. like created and written. And then it was adapted uh, specifically by uh, the cast. And what's actually kind of making me crack up right now, I'm on IMDb and it says cast in credits orders complete but awaiting verification. Nobody wants to verify that these people actually did this movie. No one wants to go on the record and spout the real facts, but we're here to, to bring it to you. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you, you have MVP Steve Buscemi yeah. is in this movie. I was saying it's a star-studded cast. Like, I can't believe the people that crop up in this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, there's Ming-Na Wen. There's uh, Alec Baldwin. Bit of a controversial person right now. We have Ving Rhymes, Steve Buscemi, Donald Sutherland, James Woods, Keith David. I mean, these are fantastic voice actors and fantastic actors. <laughs> They're too good for this movie. All right. Well, you know what? We're in. We're going to stick it to them uh, for not inviting you on the Final Fantasy four season and having not been on in over a year. So now we're, we're going to forcefully put you into their uh, their spinoff series with uh, the spinoff they should have spent time with. Too busy watching 
Advent children in the Discord and uh, English localization and uh, original Japanese subtitles. I mean, I will say one thing about this movie, like much in the way of a lot of Final Fantasy games, it absolutely is a fever dream. And for that, I think it does deserve to remain in the canon. So uh, to kind of touch on that a little bit, you have um, you have a movie that tried to do so many crazy different things. So I'm going to give a little bit of a background of it. So it came out in 2001, which already was kind of crazy. Uh, Final Fantasy VIII uh, was released in 1998, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, Final Fantasy IX was created in 2000 or released in 2000. But this movie had been in development around uh, both of those games development. I think this movie got uh, started around like 1998, uh, early 99. And you have the graphics of this still kind of hold up nowadays. Like this movie. Yeah, this movie kind of looks like how current day games are just playing. Um, uh, So it's like it, it finally took like... 20 years to kind of get up to this point which is kind of crazy this game really makes you feel like aki so yeah uh let's go ahead and get on into it so the movie opens up on the far a, off year the world of 2065 <laughs> uh we are on earth and yeah the, the the so far off year of earth 2065 but we open up in this kind of a, a strange uh open orange like desert like straight up like instagram filter like early instagram filter world where there's like some kind of earthquakes and uh, it's very like another world right it's very like like old school computer adventure game kind of world like reboot yeah yeah definitely (laughs) it's very reboot (laughs) um but so like there's a large earthquake and we get to meet our main character. Uh, later on, we learn that her name is Aki Ross. She is a doctor and it cuts out of that dream just into her uh, at inside space inside of some sort of pod with yeah. uh, well, the day. Crucially, there is this like enigmatic shot, right, of like her foot stepping on like some kind of scorpion or some kind of like weird bug creature. And it's like. She's standing on water. Like, there's all these, like, very dreamlike imagery and ripples going out, and then the ground shakes. Like, so, there's something happening, right? Yeah. So, uh, naturally, you know, the audience is kind of at, at a loss. Like, all right, well, what was that? What did we just saw? Why is it recording her dreams? We get a little bit of narration and a little bit of uh, understanding that, you know, it's been uh, 34 years since these spirits arrived and it plunged the world into annihilation. So apparently they arrived in 2031 to save us from all of our complicated problems. Totally unrelatable. (laughs) Like can't imagine something happening and causing mass annihilation. Yeah. So we learned that, you know, uh, mankind, humankind has been kind of segregated to these little refuges uh, that people kind of live in fear in. Yeah. These liberal bubbles. Uh, there's some nice bubbles, though. <laughs> They're very nice big, bubbles. Probably, big, the rent's probably pretty expensive, though. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the rent in the bio bubble, in the biodome, as it were, uh, you got you got to live. You can't live out yeah. in the wastelands. The spirits will get you. It, it does have a built-in gym, though, so that's nice. <laughs> that it do. <laughs> so uh, 
we don't get as much context as we were hoping for, but basically she kind of jumps into the uh, the cockpit of her pod and then just makes a beeline towards a specific location. Um, I want to live in the pod. <laughs> I, want, I want that pod life. <laughs> got that got yeah, that the, cool, right? the real she... hope of our of our humanity is out in space let's just let's put all the workers out in space yeah i mean it's cool too right like she comes down into like new york city right like times square really like, like midtown manhattan yeah it's kind of nice to get us like an actual location because i mean we're we're under the assumption whenever we see like uh sci-fi movies that it's like okay maybe this isn't earth maybe this is like something else well it's also the first moment of like okay this is earth like actual earth like i thought this was final fantasy like why aren't we on like gaia or whatever ah well maybe we'll touch on that later Ooh, stay tuned viewers (laughs) (laughs) well they have to we we, we've taken over (laughs) we're broadcasting on all channels (laughs) complete domination (laughs) So uh, we land in New York City. She steps out of out of the uh, out of her little ship and kind of fires off these strange little like fuel, like uh, like um, what is it? Uh, flares. Little magic missiles. That like, yeah, they, they have like this weird like sparkle effect that uh, you know, like sometimes we're on like early like GeoCities websites, <laughs> like the to to bedazzle your images. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, they are clearly doing some shots and showing off their tech, right? Like her dream had this like cool shot of her eye and like the eye like subtly dilating and stuff like and they're doing some lighting except they're, you know, they're they're trying to flex the new tech they've got here for this movie, right? It's like very photorealistic for the time. It's impressive. What's kind of weird to me about like this flare thing is that it doesn't do anything to like really light up the area and like... uh you know, without all like the light pollution, like night would be pretty dark. Yeah. So you would think if she's kind of firing off a flare, it's for a uh, a lighting purpose. But uh, we learn as she's investigating through this, it's to kind of draw a little bit more visibility to these strange orange things that start to emerge from the ground. Very, very eldritch. Yeah. I mean. Clearly, this substance she shot off, like, it reacts to, like, things. Because she puts her hand out and it lands on her hand. There's this, like, blue kind of vapor that comes out. So, like, it's some kind of thing. Maybe to draw out things that might be invisible or something. Her, her scanner was, like, looking for life or something. So maybe that's what it's for. We get a uh, a brief moment of kind of, like, shock as uh, we notice that there is uh, some other troops that have just kind of landed in the area. So we don't know, you know, like, the, the the feelings of it, what they're looking for. Are they, like, friend or foe? Is she yeah. trespassing? They kind of catch up They're very Halo. You know, they're very, like, they got the, like... You know, the masks and the goggles and stuff like big, big boys, big boys with guns. It's very dehumanizing, too, because the the way that they start to talk to it, like you can get like the sense of like a familiarity. But the our main character doesn't recognize anything that's kind of going on. It just kind of seems like she seems to be at odds with um, the military yeah. presence. It seems to be well, I think it's like a, disturbing. It's her a good point. Right? Like, I mean, you doing. know, she's in danger. There's monsters attacking. They're ostensibly here to save her. But you're right. We don't get to see their faces. They're like these anonymous, you know, like SWAT, like militarized troops with guns. And that's how they relate. You know, they're just like, who is that? I don't care. Get her out of here. 
and you know they're in like very dark kind of like black kind of clothing and she's dressed in white you know and we're getting this kind of dichotomy here like she's exposed to the elements she doesn't feel like she's in danger there's like this sort of two perspectives on the situation right yeah it's um i mean and not just that but like we later get this uh our second kind of like duality perspective of when she finds whatever she's looking for whatever she's tracking is uh, a life form and it's very brightly blue and the this the things that were emerging were very like Mm -hmm. warmly there's a lot of orange in this movie holy shit yeah it's uh it's basically like I would say like intro to color. Oh, we do get a cool shot though of like when she's getting this this like life form. The soldier's eyes are like they have these blue like goggles, and she's got her little orange goggle. Like they're really driving home that blue orange dichotomy for sure. Basic, you know, first confrontation kind of happens. You know, freaks out, get the life form. I got it. Uh, A little bit of confrontation, but nothing really bad happens. And we we kind of figure out that. you know they're they're going to be going to the the clearest or the the closest uh, sanctuary, which is new old old new New York City. <laughs> so we we actually get like full on confirmation besides just the uh, architecture that this is you know our Earth as we know it, like years in the future, yeah. dystopian. It's and, really uh, cool. I mean, it's a giant dome around like lower Manhattan. Like you see the crumbling Brooklyn Bridge. And this is the first shot I feel that kind of feels Final Fantasy to me. There's almost like a gothic quality to it with like the glass. And like it, we find out later it's not really glass, but it looks very glassy, you know. And I don't know, that shot, it feels very like FF9 kind of, you know, like it's like weirdly like technological, but also like luxurious and medieval. And it's cool. It's a really cool like architecture when you when you say that it kind of makes me think about how like uh final fantasy 8 was kind of like high fantasy in this weird sci-fi mix and then you have final fantasy 9 that was a little bit more closer to high fantasy with like its architecture but it did it didn't shy too far away from the sci-fi but all like all the hard sci-fi of that game came so much later and so, like, it kind of makes sense that they would kind of go for this art style based totally. on the, yeah, yeah. the games that were being developed at the time. Um, so as the team makes their way into New York City, they they really drive home this uh, this whole scanning scene. Like they they throw a whole bunch of like information at you because you you learn that, you know, the, the characters are uh, Captain Gray and then uh, the main female lead is Aki Ross. Uh, we learned that mm-hmm. there is some sort of like, you know, familiarity. They know of each other or there's some sort of like. Yeah. And like we, we it's revealed to the rest of the soldiers, like they know who she is now that they've had a chance to like, you know, greet each other. And there's like some some a little animosity there. Like she's not part of their crew. And like, you know, maybe they have a history like, you know, they don't they don't trust her. They think she's like a dumb scientist or whatever. They're not cool. Like yeah. a soldier. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because like the, yeah. the 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 scanning scene i've hacked this guy's body and saved his life <laughs> eat shit <laughs> yeah so uh, okay so like really quick let me finish introducing the rest of the cast we have to talk about this scene because the scene is fucking wild so uh then you have this soft male character that's voiced by steve buscemi that's all like oh, i heard that these scanners can cause sterility 
And then, like, while uh, this other uh, soldier, the the strong female lead soldier is uh, Jane, while she's kind of in there, and she's like, well, you know, like, she makes kind of like this, uh, a real man kind of a, a shot at him, and he goes, well, I want to have kids, like, kind of, there, yeah. there's like this, like, you know, the will they, won't they kind of a thing that they're, like, really kind of forcing on on the audience, and then you have the, the other um, soldier, Ryan. <laughs> It's just kind of like, man, I hate these scanners. Like, <laughs> it's just like, I just want to be done with this shit. Like, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of hanging out with these people day in and day out. But uh, when the captain gets in there, because um, like the the Aki Ross makes a point. He's like, well, I can just bypass this. And he's like, nope, everybody gets scanned. He gets scanned. There's like an alert, you know, like, like, oh, no, like what, whatever they don't want to find. They done found it. And it it turns out that there is some uh, nasty orange snot goo He's got the inside the captain. <laughs> There's this really weird scene where, like, you know, they, they rush him to, like, this uh, bioscan, like, medical table. And the doctor, uh, Aki, jumps on in and, like, takes the reins. And we can just see, like, this, this like, blue... Um, yeah, <laughs> this like blue, ghost. like, phantom shape of the yeah. captain kind of rise above him. And then, like, straight up video games just start happening. You know, it's just like it's tracking it and like she's trying to get a hold of it. And yeah. the rest of the crew is like, you're going to lose it. And there's like a whole timer of like, apparently, in one minute, <laughs> this dude's just toast. Like, whatever yeah, is I mean, in him. You know, it's waited. 2001. We got to have our like hacking scene, you know. It wouldn't be a good sci-fi movie if you didn't hack into like the mainframe and like just shoot lasers through the chest of like someone that, you know. Good old hacker man. I don't understand how this laser works either. Like, it's clearly a visible laser. Maybe that's maybe the red laser is tracking. Because like every time I see this scene, I'm just like, it looks like she's like fucking carving this dude up. <laughs> just yeah, no, like it, it has that that vibe to it, right? Because it's literally hovering over his chest. And it's like do 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 do. But like they're not even looking at yeah. the captain. They found the spirits and he's, within. Like, wiggling like in pain. But like he was completely fine until they found the spirit in him. So this, the, she is shooting him with something. But anyway, then she's cool. Then the military is forced to acknowledge that science is actually fucking cool. <laughs> she saves the captain, and then like they're like, okay, you know, like we're we're glad that we saved you because if we didn't save you, then you wouldn't have been able to save the captain, which is complete bullshit because if they didn't even go out to save her ass, they would have had to have this whole, we need to save the captain. Do we know how he got exposed? This. Like, did he get, did any of the, the like spirits con- like touch him when they were doing the mission? I forget. I do remember in like the first couple of scenes, uh, while they're escaping the first like real conflict, okay. they, they make an emphasis to have like this, like one spirit kind of come out gotcha. and like, okay a wiggly bit get close but not quite or maybe not quite like make contact with them so like i i think that what they're trying to push for is like you know oh no like what what if what if he gets touched what happens if you get touched because that's you know that we don't know that he caught the ugly because uh we haven't been you know exposed to like what actually happens when when a spirit just kind of like yeah meanders through so for some reason like you know this is like the you know the you proved yourself kind of a moment and then we have our uh, our titular Final Fantasy Sid uh, bust on in. Doctor Sid comes on in. Doctor Wiley, <laughs> good old doctor. Well, not enough hair. <laughs> this this oh, yeah, yeah this true. Sid straight bald. <laughs> so uh, we get a little bit more kind of like 
uh, background of what's going on. Apparently, the the plant that Aki picked up is the sixth Barrett. Uh, it's six out of eight. Um, and the sixth Barrett. The what? You're the sixth Barrett. The, the sixth Barrett. Yeah. The yeah. the sixth spirit out of eight. Uh, they've, there's no getting off this spirit we're within, <laughs> but, um, apparently they're trying to solve a puzzle and, uh, you know, like they're, they're so close to the end that we just have like two more spirits and then, you know, we're done. And, uh, we just had a really weird scene before with the, uh, this little like, uh, save, save the captain minigame, but like even weirder. <laughs> save like, the captain yeah <laughs> even weirder <laughs> after after that that moment is this this weird like talk where like you know dr sid is kind of helping aki on like this quest to you know get these spirits um we don't know exactly why she needs it just yet but also he fears that like you know his previous like fascinations is going to cause her to lose favor with you know humanity and they'll kind of ostracize uh, her the way that his previous research did. So he he gives her like this little you know like warning kind of a thing, yeah. and hands and her. As we his, all know, anytime anyone teaches anything, like gives a lecture, it's, they're basically just saying to the audience, "These are the themes of the movie. This is what the movie is about. Pay attention." Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, spoon feeding the plot to you or like the struggles, mm-hmm. and. You know, it's 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 where this movie like has a lot of uh, like fallbacks because like you don't let the the world kind of naturally develop. Yeah. And you instead like you kind of have to tell people what's kind of going on. They're squeezing the story in like in between all these extremely tropey like generic scenes. Right. Like, oh, I'm scoping yeah. out like a hostile air territory. And then, oh, I'm dealing with like the toxic masculinity of like a military shooter. And then like, oh, there's this like mentor mentee thing. And it's like, meanwhile, here's all this Gaia theory, like all this stuff that we're talking about. And like, what's going on here? They're just cramming it all in. Yeah, it's so weird. So like, I, I really have to like unpack this diary because like literally like they they hammer in like the major themes of this movie. So I'm going to read a direct quote from it. So the this is verbatim the sid's research it goes all life is born of gaia and each life has a spirit each new spirit is housed in a physical body through their experiences on earth each spirit matures and grows when the physical body dies the mature spirit enriched by its life on earth returns to gaia bringing with it experiences enabling gaia to live and grow this is verbatim Gaia yeah, theory. like the actual Gaia theory, like in real life. Yeah, which is uh, rooted uh, loosely in the fact that the the planet is alive as are we, and every time that you know new new uh, beings are born, they enrich the planet by living out their own individual lives, and then when they die, they return back into the planet in. So that way the planet grows along with, you know, it's in. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it is very metaphysical and spiritual, but there actually, you know, there, there is like a lot of overlap with the concept of the biosphere in, eco- in like ecology, like the idea of, you know, there's like these nested tiers of ecologies, right? You have your like local biome and then you have the like regional biome and you have your like 
um, you know, if you're in like a desert or you're on like a continent, right? But ultimately, the last one is the sphere of the Earth itself. That is like the final ecosystem. And in ecology, that like everything is like, you know, nested organisms, right? Like your body is thousands of colonies of cells and bacteria that are alive. And the sum total of that is like a person who is alive in its own way. And so like, just like a family is like a, a living organism and uh, a city is a living organism. Like the planet itself in that way, right, is very much a living thing that's comprised of lots of little cells, right? So it's like really cool. It's like actually like a really, really cool theory and a good way to relate to like the planet. And I mean, you know, we can't, we also shouldn't neglect the fact that Final Fantasy VII, that plot is also very much tied into Gaia theory, like Bugenhagen's whole thing about the life stream. That's Gaia theory, right? Exactly what Sid was describing is like how the life stream works in Final Fantasy VII. Can't get away from it. That game's everywhere. I told you this is a Final Fantasy VII spinoff. <laughs> this is the good one. <laughs> this this is what happens uh, when when the meteor hits. The the yeah, meteor. This is what happens when it, they fail. Uh, spirits. It's from like another... it's like Zelda. You know, like there's one fork in the timeline when Link <laughs> is defeated by Ganon. Yeah, this this is the one <laughs> where the Cloud and the gang fail. <laughs> I hate it now. Uh, you want to talk about confusing timelines? The the arbitrarily drawn together yeah, bro. Let's link, go. Uh, Legend of Zelda timeline. There you go. That'll be our next our next pirate stream. No more Final Fantasy. Only Zelda. Every every Zelda and Zelda Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> every Master Sword pulled, forged, and the Legend of Zelda repowered. Seven Final Fantasy of Time. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, Breath of the Life Stream. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the movie. Uh, so, um, we get introduced to our uh, general antagonist, um, General Hine, uh, voiced by <laughs> freaking uh, James Woods, of all people. So, out of everybody here, like, there's a lot of really good actors and actresses that are part of this movie i mean we have an a-list crew but james woods in his portrayal of general hein just seems like he's having the most fun in the booth like oh yeah for sure there's a certain amount of like energy that you can feel from it where like you know like the actor like I, uh robin williams was very famous for this like when he was doing like a character you're like oh man like he's losing his shit in that that booth like just like going mad paper flying like <laughs> like you can it's it's like you get this whole like image in your head of like what this actor's doing to like get these sounds and like to to get their voice to do certain things and like just really pour that energy in yeah i mean also so, there's a scene here i don't remember if it's the beginning of like the um the like conference room scene where you know where we're seeing this character for the first time but like they literally show like <laughs> a projection that's like half orange and half blue and like the orange is over the military guy and the blue is over the scientist and it's like you were saying before um like color theory for babies it's just like okay i get it movie thank you <laughs> yeah um i i believe like the the hologram that they're kind of showing off is like the you know the the reactors like the or not the reactor but the, the meteor impact crater so it's like you have like the this big blue thing and then you have like this like like alien looking like orange thing that just kind of like in the yeah. center of it 
and they're you know they're they're kind of discussing about like you know this is the source where the the spirits are coming from we know we know what it is we have the technology why don't we just why don't we just use it so general hein is like more like general you know, like, hein <laughs> got him oh got him got him um so general hein is like you know what like i don't understand why you guys are not letting me utilize like my powerful super weapon <laughs> zeus why won't you guys let me fire my enormous weapon <laughs> Yeah, come on. Like, we know the crater. Like, I have this big cannon in space, and we just shoot my laser. Military violence has solved all of our problems up until this point, and it will continue to solve all of our problems into the future. Oh, yeah. Well, what could go wrong? If everything is always going pew pew and things are disappearing, then yeah, it's, it's like the SpongeBob blank. Why don't we take Bikini Bottom and push it somewhere else? But the military is just like, why don't we just take a big gun and shoot it until it's dead? <laughs> just beat it in submission. What's wrong with making things the way that I want them to be? you got a problem, use gun. And if that don't solve it, use more gun. Working for Vincent. (laughs) Who? (laughs) Who? Um, So uh, immediately uh, Aki has and Sid have like, you know, opposition to this. You know, they kind of get like this little like this tiff back and forth where it's just like, you know, how are we going to stop the spirits? And it's like, well, I'm working on something. Well, what are you working on? And like, there's this weird, like, kind of like back and forth of each character kind of like withholding information, trying to wait for the other one to show their cards. And Aki takes the bait and just like, you fool, pushes a cup. Yeah. Pushes a couple of buttons on like her, her forearm. And all of a sudden, like this little projection comes out and she's like, because it's inside me. Okay. And, like yeah. everybody in the house is like, oh, fuck. we got to talk about what's happening here. Cause it's like a pretty potent scene. There's a lot of like overlapping metaphor, right? Like. One more color duality of like black and white, right? Like the military, like General Hines, complete black, all leather. And the two scientists are in all white, right? And then you have like the council. They're kind of wearing these like varying shades of gray, right? So, okay. It's like they're growing real hard. This was when I really picked up on the color duality thing. Not just the blue and orange, right? But the black and white thing. Um, But like also, right? Now they've introduced this like metaphor of pregnancy you know oh it's in me i'm carrying it right yeah i'm, I'm carrying this contingent and like it's when we learn like why aki is doing the things that she's doing because she doesn't have a lot of time left this thing that's inside of her it's slowly killing her so that's her main drive her main drive to find all these spirits is to uh try to get herself cured or at least that's the hypothesis that right. they have you know complete complete this partial spirit inside of me and then i uh, i will be free i will be made whole again kind of a deal so um obviously that freaks everybody else out uh there's a little bit of like you know you can trust me because i'm Um, infected by an alien (laughs) yeah and like you know of course like the the military is going to be freaked out about this and of course everybody in the council like you basically brought somebody who's infected with like this really dangerous thing that like has the power to kill pretty willy-nilly and it's inside where the the heart of the city and the the highest military official is for the city so like understandably that they would be freaked out but to the level that General Hine kind of takes it, there's like there's this whole like malicious ploy to it. So fast forwarding from that scene, there's once again uh, another awkward ass scene. We definitely needed this 
to to build the Stakes, uh, right and who's the characters and stuff well yes but i mean this is the elevator scene the the good old I elevator say, of lore before we get to the elevator scene there's this neat transition shot where we see a manhattan henge and for like people who don't know what that is right it's like when the setting sun or the rising sun lines up with like the street grid in manhattan and you get this like corridor that's really cool hmm. but then the camera pans up and we're basically in Midgar. Like, there's, like, a plate overhead. And it's, like, it's all because of that damn pizza, you know? <laughs> They're killing the planet, Cloud. <laughs> all for a goddamn JPEG. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, elevator scene. The times we live <laughs> Sorry. in. Sorry. Yeah, so... <laughs> Sorry. Not not to talk about dystopian world. <laughs> couldn't or be me. <laughs> Wouldn't know what that's like. Couldn't couldn't wasn't me. Someone was talking um, recently about like which Final Fantasy world would you want to live in, and I was like, I mean, I already live in seven. Oh yeah, I, I already that. live in that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, it's not as bad as six gets though. God. So getting getting from that amazing transition to a ridiculous convoluted scene that's trying to be too many things at once but does a really good job of like actually kind of like pulling you in a little bit i i believe at some point you actually did like you you had like some sort of connection with like the characters and the story of it yeah we have an actual I, human moment in this movie for the first time yeah and it's only like you know 20 minutes in <laughs> Um, but the, the weird thing about it is like, you were like, you know, I'm, I'm with it emotionally. Like if I were watching this movie with my eyes closed, I would connect with it. But the problem with it is like the animations are not quite up to par. Yeah. So like the, the graphics are great, but the, the rigging, I believe it's called the, the rigging and like the, the, the pass that the characters take, it's, it's in, it's almost inhuman. Like, uh, uncanny Valley was the, the term that you, you gave. Yeah. Uncanny Valley. I mean, that's exactly what it is. The whole the whole idea of the Uncanny Valley is that the as you approach verisimilitude, like as you approach, you know, an actual reproduction of real life, the mind becomes increasingly uncomfortable with it until a certain threshold is crossed and it's like believed to be real. So like a cartoon is so far from reality that like your brain doesn't have a problem with it. But this movie is precisely at the nadir of that valley. It's like just real enough that everything irks you when you're looking at these characters especially a romantic scene like this where they're like well they won't they and like oh we're having a cute like intense personal conversation and like you're seeing these faces and they just look like robotic in a way like it's so hard to describe but you you said stiff right like i totally agree the way they walk around the way they move yeah. is very like i move here now and then i nod my head in agreement and then i shrug and like it's just like okay yeah, uh, to to use an animator's term, it's like motion tween Ooh. with like a little bit of like animated effects in it. It's just like you know, at this point in time, character move from point yeah. A to point B. Character two goes from point B to point C. They interlock hands. Well, and it's funny too because it's not like a cheap animation. It's not like you know some some stuff that you see what people do with source source forge maker or whatever it's called. Like it's really well done. It's it's fine. The problem is that it's like. It looks like bad acting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it looks like someone who's bad yeah. at acting. It, it looks like, you know, like House of the Dead where it's just like, you know, no signal. <laughs> yeah, because there's no cell towers, <laughs> dummy. And you're like, was that line really delivered that way? <laughs> like they, did, they didn't think to themselves, you know what? Let's run it back. Let's get a couple more takes and then we'll just take the best take in editing. Aki and the captain 
gray get inside uh this like left oh room. they get in, they get inside oh, they, they get well not quite inside. yet soon 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 we'll we'll get there um <laughs> well what is a final fantasy they're inside spiritually yeah what what is a final fantasy game and or movie if there is not a sex scene eventually um so <laughs> sticky done <laughs> i love that like so they're up in the lift and then like um one one of like the, the Captain Gray's like lackeys, like one of his soldiers is like trying to like uh, forcefully mess with the lift to like stop it, so that way like it ha- they have some personal time. Uh, I guess against like you know watchful ears, you know perhaps they don't uh, put recording devices or cameras in here. That way they can like talk about what's going on with Aki, talk about like this whole plan with General Hine. And then we finally get a little bit of backstory on the spirits that she got. Uh, the first one is herself. The second one was a fish. Third one was a deer. The fourth one was a sparrow. The fifth one was a little girl. And you're like, okay, I get it. These are all like animals in some way. Yep. And then uh, the sixth one plant, the 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 scene that we saw them kind of get in on and we're like okay well like she she's kind of going through all this and this is like you know where you have the emotional connection of it because the actress does a really good job of like portraying like the emotion behind it and like um the way that Aki's feelings and the way that she has like this connection with these different dreams the more spirits that she gets the more of these dreams we get to kind of like live through and experience the the idea is you know when we get all eight spirits we'll have a full understanding of what's kind of going on. Right. Um, did you have anything else to add on like this elevator scene before we move on to uh, the next couple of steps? In this? Well, it's it's very funny. It's very high school kind of setup, right? Like he's got his bros, his oh, bros yeah. on the you know the crew, like who are you know it's like it's like the back. Yeah, you put the you put the chair at the door <laughs> and like you know nobody can escape, so like they have to sit there and listen to like you know. Becky, like, I know I messed yeah. up, but like, I could be different. It's just very cute. Okay, it, it also strikes me a little bit like the um, the like date that you go on in Gold Saucer in FF Seven, like the kind of like being mm-hmm. in a little booth together, and you know, you can't really you you have to like you can't keep av- avoiding that there's like this sexual tension or like there's something that need you need to get off your chest, and like, but also like it's really not a great time, like. He set this up to kind of be like, okay, I'm going to get romantic. And she's like going through some trauma, right? Like she's like not really in a romantic mood. Yeah, she's literally (laughs) dying. She's on a mission so that way she doesn't die. And then she's plagued by not only now being ostracized because uh, she literally told uh, the people in uh, in charge of the city that she's infected with this spirit uh, and if she doesn't get all of these spirits, she's, but I mean, at the same time, she's under a lot of pressure and it's good. Like he, he does kind of get through to her and they have a real, like, you know, they have a real moment where she opens up and like, they have a connection and right when he's about to like go in and like give her a kiss and she's like in she's vibing she's into it the fucking crew turns the elevator back on like you fools like what the fuck did they not set up like a <laughs> signal or something so that, like he's just like no like the entire point of this plan you fucked it up yeah it's like that halfway plan where it's just like all right you know what i bet you i can get through to her in like uh, five minutes <laughs> Like and, and and like literally, yeah, and then literally like his his uh his soldier is like, All right, you got five minutes and you're like and the, he's five minutes to a T. Like looking at his watch yeah. at four fifty eight, four fifty nine. All right, let's back on. 
and then, like it just completely like yeah. sucks all of the uh the tension out of it it sucks the uh the viewer out of it and you're just kind of like what even was that like you're kind of left yeah, there it, with like the same it becomes this like, of, like the captain scene. you're just like oh okay fine i mean you know there's progress right like now they're they've expressed their feelings to each other and they the fact that they almost went for a kiss that's something like that it means that like they're both romantically interested in each other and like but I imagine there's also this extra scene that we don't get to see where he like stomps back into the barracks. He's like, what the fuck? Like, he's just so mad. <laughs> I want that cut. I want, I want that deleted scene where he's just like, bro, like you didn't wait. Like, I thought we talked about it. <laughs> I said I would caca like a dove. And you're like, doves don't caca. I told you that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that? You're trying to tell somebody about a bird and like maybe they've never even experienced bird because like what is this? They were decimated for 30 years, so these people are probably in their 30s. The world was probably in ruins, and their parents were probably fleeing from this when they were born. So it's like they may not even That's know true. birds or what birds sound like. I'm thinking about all this stuff right now on the spot, and like I don't I don't want to think about <laughs> I don't want to think more, more like, about this what movie. The, the world of this is, and who knows what animals exist or not. There's really nothing wrong with the movie. It's just that when you start thinking about like more like the the how Bro, how does the rest yeah, of the ecosystem go out and like yeah and then you have like Aki talking about like these di- different animals like a fish, a deer, a sparrow, and those like are things. The captain's just like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, know I know somebody's worst things. <laughs> yeah, might as well just be talking about people's like freaking like you know spirit animals, but um, tis so spirit animals within. Uh, so yes. this, this is the entire world that we have built up for us, right? You know, we, we know that we're on earth. We know that the, um, the, whatever the spirits are, they came from this crater that landed in That doesn't have Africa. any significance. <laughs> um, uh, no, not at all. Uh, we know that Aki is fuel, is driven to, um, get the rest of these spirits because she's on a countdown. Basically we know why she gets these dreams. Uh, well, we don't know why she gets these dreams, but we know that the, the amount of context we get to these dreams is based on how many different spirits she gets. You know, she makes a point to say, you know, these, these dreams are getting longer. I'm, I'm seeing more of it. Like I'm feeling more of it. And, uh, we get some more of that in like the, the third and fourth dream kind of coming up. So I'd say they did a pretty good job, at least with the pacing, building the world up. It's not held together the way that I would want, but I like the fact that they give enough suspension of disbelief so that way you can be left to think, okay, well, maybe the spirits are really only after humans. So when she's talking about all these animals, probably there's some sort of like, you know, maybe the the animals are not getting. Yeah. And also, like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like if, if animals are surviving and humans aren't, that's like very interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if if you think about the Gaia theory, like, you know, maybe um, humans are more the focus of the Gaia theory because we learn mm. and grow not just in size, oh, but powerful. also intelligence. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, they always say knowledge is power. Maybe it's literal when like compared to like the Gaia theory, maybe like literally the more that, you know, the more powerful you're more enriched to use uh the terminology in this uh in, in this movie more enriched you are when you so go back into cut to um, an extremely noir scene oh i love this scene you want you want to talk about this one 
Yeah, I mean, so, you know, we, we get into, like, this meeting uh, between um, General Hines, General Hines and, like, Dr. Ross and, like, or not Dr. Ross, but these, like, these military officials, they're kind of talking about their reactions of what Aki, um, you know, revealed in this meeting and how the, you know, you, you have the shot of, like, James Woods, uh, which I'm going to refer to him exclusively as James Woods now, um, just, like, gazing thoughtfully out the window, extremely... Um, you know, mysteriously, and then realizing that he can kind of use this maybe to his advantage and starts manipulating his like his like men to be like, we can't trust her, you know, and she's like a spy and like she's doing all of this, like she's like undermining our, our activities here and she could be a threat, you know. Yeah, basically using Aki and her situation uh, to fuel his ends, which is to get approval to fire this massive cannon into the the crater. What could be better than this? Guys being dudes, you know. Boys will be boys. <laughs> just, just <laughs> hey, he you just know wants what? to blast. One second, it's just <laughs> yeah. In one second, you're just hitting each other with sticks, and the next second, you're blowing up entire continents. You know what's what's our big boy? <laughs> what's to be wrong? Our big with boy that? just wants to blast. Why can't they let him? Why can't they let him come? <laughs> they they're not gonna let him. They they've they've been blue balling him for years apparently. And when you get to a look at the ship, you're just like, come on! <laughs> like there there there's definitely like uh, a lot of this stuff. There's like, a lot of this movie where you like, see it and you just go, come on, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, there there's a lot of it where like it's there there's a lot of like, uh, it's not sexual tension. It's just like. It's a giant uh, sign in the sky that says this is sex in giant, like, aerial font. Yeah. <laughs> Sans serif. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we get uh, General Noir. Uh, it's it's a really good scene. Um, it's basically, like, you know, it's got him and, like, his trusted officials, like, I guess, like, his uh, lieutenant or, no, his major. That's what it is. Um, it, it's his major and his major's lieutenant. Um that are, you know, kind of like in there and he's like, well, we can't trust her. So we obviously can't trust the captain because the captain's mm. in league with her. So watch over the captain. And if he does anything, you, you know, you do what him. we always do. So. Oh, yeah. Shoot, Shoot him. They are, are. Are are they are they out of line? Shoot him. Hate it. So. So uh, then a giant then a giant muscle falls from the sky. <laughs> full muscle uh full muscle gripping a beer uh <laughs> you know america's finest budweiser just gripping it uh you got you got some some nice tattoos the the good old uh mom heart with the arrow oh, through it. it a nice barbed wire tribal tattoo and uh you know some some good old butt rock you know and just kind of just kind of playing uh, on like the boom box that is also being held in the same hand because the grip is just that strong but no but no for it gets real the beer like, it gets the boom a gigantic box. muscle like shellfish muscle shaped ship crashes onto like a rocky outcrop and then starts giving birth to bionicles that's the next thing that happens <laughs> it's right back at legos <laughs> baby uh so the the next scene couple of scenes that we have there there's nothing really interesting about it. Like uh, probably the highlights about it that we have is just there's like really massive uh, spirits out I'm there. I'm sorry. Like, there's it, nothing it, interesting about it. Are you forgetting that there's an army of Bionicles shooting missiles that don't hit their targets and like running at Aki in her dream? 
Oh yeah, the 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 third dream. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was getting a little ahead of myself to like the um the the actual mission. No, no, no. Okay, so yeah, so she goes uh she goes right back into uh the next dream state, right? Right, right. And then like there there's like this big old seed, and like she kind of turns over and like the uh the the Chozo or the the precursors from Jack and Daxter or the the Bionicles are kind of like staring at her. And then there's like a whole just like rain of fire that just kind of blows up and like they like the things just kind of like look back at it, look at Aki and just like like accept their their fate. Yeah. Well, I mean, she kind of wakes up. There's this moment too where one of them passes through her, like it becomes transparent, and then then it's superimposed over her face, and then she like clutches her chest and falls through like them. Like there's like this very mm. en- enigmatic kind of moment where there's like, you know, she's identifying with them maybe or something. Like, and she even says, like, I don't understand what they're trying to tell me, but I'm getting more and more messages. Yeah. Like all we can get is that there's there's some sort of war. Right. Right. Like there's just some sort of like this side versus that side. But it, it's very like same planety. Like it, they're whatever they're disagreeing about. It's the it's like literally one faction or two factions of the same race going yes. at it crucially right you're right it's two of the same species fighting each other yeah um doesn't yeah. mean anything thank you for doesn't. reminding me would have would have skipped right over that dream because that's actually really important um but yeah so after that one uh they're they're on like this flight mission to because they identified where the seventh spirit is uh, you get this cool, like, you know, Jurassic Park scene where they're, like, kind of flying over, I think it's like, the Arizona <laughs> desert. Nah, the wasteland Take of Tucson, unchanged from how it looks today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oddly enough, not not destroyed. Uh, just, you know. It's just still a wasteland. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't much there to begin with. Sorry, Arizona. Um but yeah, the be so like you know they kind of I think there's a couple of comments uh, based on it. I didn't write any notes on it, but like I'm starting to remember now. Like they have a couple of comments on it. Like you know why are there like gigantic phantoms? Mm. And then but like we are always like are under siege by like these weird Cthulhuan uh, like Mars attacks phantoms. Yeah. yeah. Um. But fast forwarding through it, uh, they get they identify where the uh the life form is and apparently it's in an ovo pack uh and this is once again an uh it's it's not an organic thing but it is an organic thing it's weird yeah so apparently ovo packs um they power weapons and uh it's what charges and keeps the barrier cities um <laughs> kind of in there and they're they're used to uh like the oval packs are created by living tissue no idea uh what living tissue it is because they never go into it but they just kind of drop that whole bomb on you that it's just like yeah it's an oval pack and it's living tissue yeah i mean it's kind of confusing in general how the technology works um I, I know we hear later in the movie also that the shield around you know new york is also made of the same kind of energy it, it's it's very um i don't know it's almost just like improvised <laughs> like they're just like yeah and this is this is the life energy and this is the life energy this, just don't just roll with it you know we're asked to like suspend a lot of disbelief i think 
Yeah, it's uh, it, it's pretty interesting. Uh, so right after they collect this uh, seventh spirit that's in the Ovo pack, uh, immediately they are uh, under siege by the spirits. Um, I'm trying to remember if that was something that General Hein orchestrated or if it was the, the Ovo pack that uh, caused the, the spirits to come on in um, and attack our heroes. Uh, there was a bit of a, I think there was some infighting, um, after they, uh, they, they get back on like the ship and there's this whole, like, you know, really like, uh, tight window where the pilot has to kind of get in there, get the people, get on out. And, uh, what was, I think one of the soldiers that Hein put on the ship and stuff like that is like, well, she's coming with us now. Like, yeah, like like Hein has a his agent on that team right and he's kind of got two missions yeah because like what i think um aki collapses right Right. i think she collapses and then like you know she's progressing further and stuff like that it's like getting into close to her actually dying and um i'm i think they're afraid of like the spirit kind of coming out of her yeah i think i mean kind of gave him instructions you know if she does any, if she tries anything, you know, she, you take take care of her. And so when she she acts like strangely, he's like, okay, that's it. Like I'm taking her in, like looking almost for any excuse, right? Yeah, and we get to see <clears throat> the one of like the first things that happens, right? With like when the spirit touches um, or passes through like any of the the soldiers, it just immediately pulls their blue spirit away from them, and then they just kind of collapse lifelessly. Yeah, and the one of them gets hit by it, and then the other one uh, randomly gets picked up, like almost conveniently, while they're like at like this height of like you know the soldier has them on the ropes, like he's gonna shoot them. It's all over for our heroes, and all of a sudden just woof. yeah, it, it's a little Deus Ex Machina, but you know, it's interesting also how there's like there's like a predator prey thing. You know, we we always see ourselves as like the top of the food chain, but this is a situation where it's like just touching any of these monsters you're just dead you know and the petty squabbles among the humans almost seems like you know silly when they're in such mortal danger you know like the fact that it can pass through walls like like, this guy has them at gunpoint and then this thing just like woof (laughs) it's just over you know they're they're at wit's ends and then in this world that's like close to humanity being on annihilation the fact that they're being so protective over anything that could potentially wipe out like themselves and their way of life. Like they're, they're taking a huge risk on letting Aki continue her research. And you just, you get into this unfortunate circumstance where it's like the fear of survival and then the control over, um, you know, a a militaristic presence that is obviously feeling more masculine. So, I don't think there's any projections going on, but there is definitely that. Yeah, I feeling. mean, you know, they're obviously playing with gender roles here, too. They, they're one of the crew members in the first scene is, you know, is like a rough and tough woman. And she's like, you know, acting like one of the guys. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're exploring the space between men and women for sure. Right. And, you know, power and those kinds of dynamics. Yeah. yeah and they, they even demonize um, or not demonize, but they, they, they tease um the the more like nerdy kind of pilot guy that's right. like the mechanic because he's a little bit softer yeah. so yeah i can see that uh so the mission's over they need to get her back to 
you know, back to like a med bay. They got to, you know, got to get her back up and going. Um, what's weird, though, is like, isn't there a barrier city? Didn't they say there's a barrier city in like Tucson? So why do they need to go all the way back to New York? Yeah, I mean, like that's the <laughs> because that's where our story is. That's, Nins. that's where all the people are. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I want to see the I want to see the, the final like the fantasy of spirits within spinoff that takes place in Tucson. <laughs> The spirits without. Yeah, it's just like, you know, people living day in and day out, and every once in a while, they're just like, huh, there's that weird <laughs> it's just fucking again. Mad oh, Max. Well, I guess they're doing nothing. Oh, no. They're <laughs> Some peaceful movie where, like, nothing really bad happens except for one scene, but that's that one scene from another movie where all the bad things are happening and all the action is It would happening. be very funny. You just get to see it from some uh, weird... It'd be very funny if, like, yeah, like, all this bad stuff is just happening to the New York crew, and everyone else is just vibing. <laughs> They're just having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> nothing bad ever happens in tucson so we get back into um well wait but there's a there's a moment that happens on that ship right like aki has a dream again yeah um, I, we we covered that right because no, i no, think she has a dream like while she's knocked out on the ship and it shows like the planet exploding and like, like oh a big yeah yeah, yeah that's right she has the massive epiphany right so yeah. um to explain the dream a little bit uh, she she has a lot of the same reflective properties of it, but the the color of it was different, right? This is the one that's more um, grayish. Yeah, I remember there's one of the dreams. I can't remember if it's this one or that. No, I know what one it is. It's the the later one when um uh the captain comes. But I'm getting a little bit too ahead of myself. So this dream was still orange. Um, but it is it, it is like dark. The, a it's, little bit of it's like there's cloud cover and all yeah, all I, the armies are kind of frozen in, in place. They're not really moving. It's very like gloomy. And then uh yeah, yeah. there's a big flash and, of blue and then red. Yeah, so there there's that huge flash and then like um there's that that one was more of the uh the the shorter dream, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not the the next one, not the one coming up. Okay, it shows cool. like a big, massive explosion, almost like a mushroom cloud. And then this like ring of fire just consumes everything and just obliterates all the armies. Gotcha. Yeah, I wasn't sure which one because I think this is where my notes kind of got a little bit muddied up on certain things. Well, I mean, covered. to be fair, like there's uh, so many dreams in this movie and they're all like almost identical. <laughs> <laughs> they really want you to remember these dreams. But the, the critical yeah. thing, right, is so that she's soon... scared by the dream because the whole planet gets burnt up and she startles and out of out of her slumber and like scares the guy with the gun. And he shoots her. Yeah, that's what it is. That's how that's how she ends up. So so injured. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. So that, that that's why they need to go back home really quickly. Right. Right. Yeah. Maybe right, maybe getting, we could say like, this. I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to remember this movie. I was trying to forget. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe like Tucson, they don't have the right medical equipment or whatever. They need more Ovo packs or some some shit. You're right. Yeah, Tucson can't spare Ovo packs with the East Coast. It's, it's strictly a, a, a West Coast Midwest kind of a deal. Yeah, the, the the West and East Coast rivalries never die, even after the apocalypse. Yeah, even after the apocalypse, <laughs> the, the East Coast West Coast rivalry never dies. It's just like the whole AM PM rivalry with like any retailer cooking job, which is always like the day crew, the night crew, the front of house, back of house, everybody. There's there's always there has to be sides. I think now we get rushed back to New York super, super quick. As soon as um, the ship lands, I think they're pretty much uh, detained by General Hine and his his cronies. Uh, I believe they take her to. 
Um, they take her and the captain to medical, and then they take the rest of the crew to jail. Uh, yeah, Heinz like takes he takes like advantage of the situation. Oh, absolutely, he's been looking narrative. for this situation yeah. the entire time, right? He's he's been looking for a reason right. to let them like, you know, because he found the dream. He was like, "This is it. This is how. This is our evidence. This is how I, I bring this to the council, and they'll let me fire my Zeus cannon." Um, and then I think that there's like. There's this moment in the the hospital bay where Sid is explaining to the captain, you know, that she's dying. And he says that she needs um, a, like a sympathetic spirit to tie her to this world. And I, I thought that was like very, very important kind of comment. Right. There's something about this like kinship and this connection to other like living things that is the thing that's going to keep her, you know, in the world of the living. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, like a spiritual anchor kind of a deal. Like, yeah, gives yeah. her gives her something to keep fighting for. Well, especially if he calls it a sympathetic spirit, and I think like the ideas of sympathy and antipathy, you know, are very clearly delineated in this movie. Right? You have Heinz who sees everyone as a threat and everyone as like a tool to be used, and then you have um, Aki who is like trying to reach out to these other life forms and try to understand what's happening, and you know, she's sympathetic towards the monsters. Yeah, to to a fault. She's like she's still afraid of them, and she's like fearful of it. But like, since the spirit is inside her, she feels compelled to go through with this mission. Right, but uh, that's so what yeah, leads we, us to the next dream. Yeah, so um, we get this kind of like interesting scene that's kind of like Inception in a way. Is the only way that I can really kind of like plant that uh, idea yeah. into your head in like an audio uh, audio medium. And so, like, they both kind of lay down on these chairs uh, or the, these little beds. And Aki is already out because she's unconscious because she got shot. And then the captain kind of gets, like, dosed and then enters her dream. And this is when I love uh, I will also say I love color. they have the bed like like <laughs> slide over closer to her. And it's just like, yeah. like like the classic like Oscar bait blood transfusion scene. And it's like, dude, you're just going to sleep. Like you don't need to like be lying immediately next to her. But yeah, but then you're right. Like he's, he's in her dream, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's like uh, one of those things. It's like the, the 1950s, like to 1960s, like slamming the two beds together. Yeah. Kind of a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> two, two twin beds baby we're gonna make ourselves another junior <laughs> oh, yeah but crucially the most important thing in this dream is it is it's blue it's not orange mm -hmm. we got something different yeah and we got moon we got big moon so you know this is now oh. part of the um uh it's part of the dirge of cerberus extended universe Oh yeah, and the Bloodborne extended universe you <laughs> yeah. know, all, all the moon love yeah Aki Aki has extremely fear, high fear insights that it's the, 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 the highest i mean that's why they she can see all these uh these cthulhu and things it all makes yeah. sense you know you you got a couple of umbilical cords inside of you 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 get a little bit of a little insight and then before you know it you're just starting to see all these spirits around us the really important thing about this is that like he's like inside of her dream but like she's like oh look you came like like hey this is this is kind of like what i've been experiencing and like he's kind of taken aback by like, like what, you know, what is this abe's odyssey this? Shit. like oh shit like yeah and so like you know all the things are once again not moving um there it's like a gosh like what, what's the 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 best way i can kind of describe it is like they 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 play through the last couple of aspects of the uh third and fourth dream that we saw 
but we we see it from like the the outside the big picture of it it blows the whole planet up and it launches this like meteor like shaped thing and like it starts flying outwards in space and uh we don't get to see where that goes but by the time that like aki and the captain like reawaken they both have that same epiphany like I know what the phantoms are. Like, I know, I know where they food. come from. And basically that whole, yeah, that whole dream sequence was just the history of what happened between these aliens on their home planet. Their their spirits, their energies, their, their rage and all that stuff was somehow carried through space on this meteor as like a, a vessel somehow um, a massive amount of like spirits and like life forms and stuff like that when it crashed onto our planet they were able to like emerge and then over the course of 30 years i don't know if they were like feeding off of the human energy yeah at the very least you know it's a very symbolically potent moment right it's this planet that ostensibly was consumed by war and the war among the same species, right, led to this explosion that destroyed everything. And it sent off this like shrapnel that hit our planet. And now that rage is rippling out into our world and, and fucking everything up here. You know, it's like this cycle of, of rage or of violence or whatever. And crucially, in the middle of this dream sequence, we have like a kind of cutaway to, to Hein, um, General Heine. And uh, there's a scene that's not subtle <laughs> where he's holding up a leaf and he just crushes it in his fist and walks over to a computer monitor. <laughs> it's just like, man, this movie is like <laughs> it's a bit on the nose sometimes. Yeah. Here, here's your symbolism right in your face. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, General Hein, while this is going, he's trying to. Uh, he's not trying to. He is plotting a coup of sorts, yeah. right? So. He's he's talking to his major and like his men. He's like, look, I've lost people. You've lost people. You believe in me and the actions that I'm doing. You believe that I'm doing things in like the best interest of the humans, yeah, right? And he swirls a very like, well, yeah, strange so, looking glass of whiskey that does not does not look like liquid. It's <laughs> <laughs> like some fucking GTA um, San Andreas shit. But yeah, so like, you know, General Hein has like this whole idea of like if the council won't listen to me, I'm going to show them like I'm I'm going to essentially cause something to happen where they have to they have no choice but to give me what I need. Right. So yeah. that all that's happening uh, at the same time that we get that whole revelation of like, you know, here's the spirits. Here's where they come from. This is what happened to them. And then you have General Hein setting in motion uh, the. The third act of this whole four act, um, like I'd say, structure for this movie. Uh, do you have anything else to to point out that I may have missed yeah, in just um, like the, the the first half of this movie? The kind of culmination of this scene, right? There's a, there's a scene. I don't know if we're gonna get to it later, but where Hein is kind of revealing a little bit of his backstory. Um, he's kind of yeah. That is that's that scene too. Yeah, he's you know looking at this photo and explaining that the phantoms killed his family. Um, and he, you know, he's trying to reach out to his commander and have like a human moment, but it comes off as like, just very strange. Cause he's like, you know, I, he's like, I, I try to imagine what it must feel like seeing everyone around you fall over dead with no apparent reason. And he's like, and he says at the, at the end, feeling something next to you. 
invisible touching you and he's like touching the the photograph and <laughs> this general is just very uncomfortable it's just he's just reaching inside your body and there's like this general who's like averting his gaze and there's all these soldiers behind him and everyone is super uncomfortable and he's like anyway that's why i need to coup i need to do a big coup and we you guys got to do what i tell you and they're like yes sir <laughs> and basically the villain just like yes this this is this is this is definitely the guy that we want in charge of our do. entire government. Very stable, stable oh, genius. Thankfully, we don't. Yeah, th- thankfully we don't have anybody <laughs> like that or have it, had anybody like that. Yeah, the problem with this movie is it's so unbelievable. You know, nothing, nothing in this movie has any like bearing on the real world, and it's, I can't relate to it. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine what General Hine would be on social media. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, as far as the, the sec- close of the second act, like, you know, they've kind of set up the stakes and they've set up the kind of core themes here, right? We're exploring this kind of duality of like masculinity and femininity, of like um, violence and of antipathy and empathy and like life and death and aliens and terrestrials. Like they're, they're really in- into this idea of others, us and the other and, and, you know, this trying to bridge this chasm between like, you know, the, the the like yawning void between us all right so uh now we get into third act which is it's weird because this movie has like two moments of like climax in a way right like the the plot points of the battle and then like the plot points of the 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 spirit and the guy theory kind of come together in in two separate moments so the first one is you know general hein decides to take control of the barrier right so he's his whole plan is that he's going to go to one of the um like the the heart of it right. where the the barrier is like powered and the people that run it he goes in there basically coos does a takes big coup. everybody out of there doesn't kill nobody notably just kind of like yeah, and he just kind of kicks everybody else out and then is like, all right, cool. So uh, we're just going to open up like one small like aspect of the barrier. Yeah, we're, we're just going to vibe. We're just going like, to vibe a little. You know, gonna, no big deal, man. We're, we're just going to. We're going to let, let the right one in. Yeah, we're going to let these spirits through the little pipes and then, you know, we're going to take care of it. And then we're going to be like the barrier city, like the barriers are falling down. We need to do something mm-hmm. else fast before like. It, it all goes wrong is his yeah, whole we need more gun. idea. Our gun didn't work. We need more gun. Yeah. Our big gun needed small gun. Not enough. But the, the real, real issue that he's not even thinking about in this. Cause like we've seen this happen multiple times before the spirits. The only thing that stops them is that barrier. Right. And as soon as they have access to the barrier, like they could just <laughs> fucking go wherever. Yeah, like they're they're not going to like, you know, his idea is like they're going to go inside here, then they're going to be perfectly funneled and then we're going to have like complete control over this. But almost immediately and hilariously, this blows up in his face. Oh, no, my hubris. I know. So as soon as as soon as one kind of comes in, he goes, well, yeah, you know, they're like like uh, multiple spirits detected in the in in the the tubes. And he's like, well, no shit. Like that's the plan. And goes, no, sir. Like they're everywhere. And he goes, what? (laughs) just like it's like it's that whole like it's so hilarious how fast this just goes ass up it's just like it's like two seconds of his like yeah the two seconds of like this is all going according to plan and then oh no plan goes wrong arrested development job i've made a huge mistake (laughs) just like watches all of his crew just get eaten by a dragon 
<laughs> well, imagine like fucking General Hines standing at a beach trying to throw an envelope into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this is this mistakes is the whole, like, were made. Yeah, so um, now what we have essentially is uh, a war on our own home turf. So uh, spirits are going haywire. They're killing all of his, like, you know, team members. Like, he lost his major. He lost all the other soldiers that are loyal to him. And he's like, he's like, well, this is how I kind of die. But then it cuts to La- our friends in jail Laser cells. cell. Yeah. Super weird tone, right? Like... <laughs> Uh, if this was up to me, these two scenes would have been broken up, right? It would have been him unleashing, like, or letting some of them in. Then you do like the the prison right. thing, and then you have an alarm go off, and then you go back to his plan blowing up in his face. Yeah. It's just the pacing of these two scenes makes no sense to me sometimes. Yeah, I mean, they they do like they open this scene. They open it originally with them in in the prison cell, but they don't really say much. And like, yeah, there's this climax of this explosion. Like, it seems like the whole base is going up, and then they're just like, "So, <laughs> like, what are you, what are you guys up to?" <laughs> then the, the laser. First yeah. of all, when, when we watched this, I was like, "Do they have to be laser cells? Like, what whatever happened to iron bars? You know, that's not so hard." And then you know, you're like. It's <laughs> You're like it's not enough. And then of course a power goes out and the fucking bars fail. And it's like, that's why you use iron bars. It's like people just get out immediately. It's science. <laughs> How could science go wrong? Science is powering yeah. all of our cities. Oh no, it's no longer powering but, our cities. <laughs> but anyway, then we're in we're in survival <laughs> horror. It's it's the attack of the Martians. And uh they, they run in. Oh yeah. So th- this is this is all like the good, like you know, battle scenes that yeah. you that you want to see in kind of like a. a and it's very, movie, right? you, it's very FF seven, like cars that are like reactor and like Shinra Tower kind of stuff all combined. It feels like to me at least. Yeah. So like, uh, there's there's a couple of points to like a couple of plot points to to touch on in this, but realistically, what you're getting in this is just imagine your usual like you know alien attacking people running utilizing like a couple of different vehicles uh your titular like oh no like we can't get out uh you know with our ship because there's something that's keeping it from it so we have to divide the party up multiple times and have them do different things uh it's it's it kind really of a mess <laughs> how it all kind of goes so yeah so the the first plan is to get everybody together so they they all regroup and they go, well, you know, what's happening? We're under attack. We have to get out of here. So they manage to get like a skiff that has like yeah, a big they, ass They get gun saved by big cars. And then like at that yeah, point, it's like Let's battle go. cars. Yeah. Yeah. So but it driving, does it shooting. does drop down into it's some kind exciting. of like trench with what could be described as rails. So I'm going to go with this being a, uh, a rail car. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there like a people mover, maybe a rubber tire <laughs> one. I'm, I refuse to acknowledge this as a car. So you're thinking this is like more public <laughs> transit with a, with a little. I just want to know on. what the the circulation plan in this building is. Like, there's this big, wide open, like flat space that I guess they use for for like getting around. But then there's this trench that they drive down into. It's like what what like is that for? So much of the construction of this place makes no sense to me. Yeah. Suddenly, like you know, you get kind of 
you, you give Corey a couple of different things to think about, and all of a sudden he's like, I really want to know what like the the, the shipping lines are. It, it's in so the much city. material. Like, Look where, how much metal this thing's made meeting. out of. Where is it coming from? They don't have like complex logistics. All of society is crumbling. I mean, like, you can think that it's just basically, like, repurposed, like, roads and stuff like that. But at the same time, like, that kind of immediately goes out. Yeah, the this door, is like, like Blade Runner gets, shit. Like, deconstructed because it's like, you don't, yeah, you don't just build a road out of, like, you know, uh, light rail uh, fucking tracks. And you're just like, ah, I guess some people will trip over it, but yeah. we ain't got no more bricks, so. I mean, it feels, it's very militarized, so you could say, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. turn this into a military compound. But it's also, like, it's supposed to be on lower Manhattan. So, so like, is it built above like on top like there's nothing recognizable of new york city inside of this barrier it's like just its own kind of zone i mean it's very final fantasy but the more i think about it the more it's just like wait like what what is the structure of this thing like like, it's so confusing Yeah, and and like it's not even that like while they're driving like there's also like a big pitfall but like these spirits don't actually cause any environmental damage so with these tracks are they just like massive like drop-offs yes. on like this like this assumed road because like as we see like you know they're trying to get past one of the spirits and then they they go from like this track and then they fall down to another one and it actually injures yeah. one of our party members they get into a big big old car crash yeah so you know now we're starting to get like that whole like vibe of like oh shit like you know throughout this whole escape we're gonna slowly lose kind of like one person after another like feeling that's like you know it's not like it's completely original for like sci-fi but like it is definitely one of those things like once you start to see the pattern coming you're kind of like well this is how this is ending you know so don't forget his his classic line ouch yeah (laughs) the the uh there is no context here it's just like (laughs) talk to me sarge and the first line through his mouth is ouch (laughs) You're like you're like oh okay like so he was yeah. the comic relief character then, then yeah he was like we didn't really get to know him but anyway he's gone um also classic trope of uh black guy dies first and then we get the scene of like well i'll stay with you we'll all stay with you and he's like no one's staying with me just give me a gun yeah like, okay. sarge what do you need just a gun <laughs> give give gun guns all i know so yeah, they they do all that, and then like you know there there's a, a nice little um, moment between the captain and the sergeant, where it's just like, you know, the captain doesn't say farewell because it's not you know it's not manly to be like you know, always like you. I'm glad that you were my sergeant. Like it's it's all like this whole like, um, like the known unknown like between like military things where you're just like in like those war movies where like they just give them the handshake and they're like. Hmm. And then, like, you, everything you need to know about what's going on with it, you're just like, oh, okay, well, I'm just reading through between the lines that it's everything that he wanted to say, but he didn't say it because he held back and he was being a man about well, it. Well, it's also, like, it's saying like, okay, goodbye but- implies that, you know, he's going to die, and they don't want to admit it, right? So, like, I'm not going to say goodbye because we're going to we're gonna see you again, that kind of thing, you know? But, I mean, in, like, a military aspect of it, right? Like, you, you would think that that's something that can't, like, in, especially in a dystopian world where like 
it happens all the time and people just get like whisked away before you even get a chance to say goodbye. Wouldn't you think that like actually saying goodbye means a lot more than just literally having just like the spirit just go whoosh. Yeah. Cause that's, cause that's just how that shit happens in this world. So now we're down one party member. Yeah. And and they Uh, all have MIB guns now. Yeah. (laughs) They they got got the the big old, they got the men in black guns. Um, uh, I did write a note here. Like, the as soon as they get to the ship, right? Like this is when it really starts to feel like like chapters of a video game. Yes. Um, and I know I brought it up earlier, but like as soon as they get in there, like the ship needs fuel cells. They should be fuel cells here, here, and here. And you're like, <laughs> okay, so was this supposed to actually be like a game? Because that's that's literally like a video game script, right? You get to the thing, and you're like, okay, so like, what do we need to do to get off this? You know. Get off this planet. Well, we need some fuel cells, but you have to go to these particular... But only old man Jenkins has the key to the fuel cell locker, and you'll need to kill ten rats before he'll give you the key. Yeah. <laughs> or you can kill him, get some bad karma, and get the key. Choose wisely. So uh, they divide the team up uh, once again to go to different places, but then because they maybe realize that suddenly this is not a video game. They just magically go to one spot and they get all the fuel cells that they need. But then, oh no, the arm doesn't get off of the ship. So they can't take off because the arm is holding the ship in place. So once again, they have to take a couple of people off of here and then uh, put them at another moment where like, you know, they can, get the get the arm free from the ship it is kind of cool the way they get on and off of this ship is like some kind of like cargo crane that's like got like a it's like a six axis arm that picks them up and like it's like this cradle that they get picked up and then moved onto it i i thought it was really cool that it can kind of move in any direction yeah it kind of gives me that like um have you ever seen like the the research ships that are on, that are out on the ocean and then like yes. they have like the little the little crane thing that like puts the little personal submarine on there yeah like that's the kind of vibe water. that yeah. i get from that it's so cool uh outside working on the uh to free the latch from the ship is our pilot and our uh uh his his particular love interest the the more masculine um uh character i I don't Soldier know why lady. I didn't write her name. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need to know any of these name. people's names. They are they, You've seen a thousand movies with these people in them. They, and like, like the pilot is literally Joker from Mass Effect. Before Mass Effect even existed, these, yeah, these, so, these tropes uh, are just timeless. So the soldier, the the Sergeant Ryan was the one they left behind. Uh, Neil, the, Jane uh, is name. Yeah, Neil and Jane, they, they have something kind of going on. Unique, memorable names. Yeah, but uh, they're, they're kind of out there and... Uh, he's kind of like talking to himself and like, you know, doing like this whole like comic relief aspect where he's like, okay, I'm working on this thing. And like, what, what do you think? Well, you know what, what we're going to do is like, you know what? You need to stop talking to me cause I need to focus on this thing. And you're like, dude, like Steve Buscemi, I love you. And you can just rip these, rip these lines off really quick. But like, I maybe workshop a little bit of this before, or like maybe somebody should have done like a little <laughs> maybe bit. Maybe we could have some character development. Yeah. Like, you know, cause like this is, this is like their penultimate scene because spoiler alert yeah you know like they get the uh they get the arm kind of broken off and then he's all doing his little yeah. dance and like, then he's doing his yeah, end zone celebration yeah. yeah and then all of a sudden you know you just start seeing like <laughs> orange tentacles kind of come up and jane's like speechless like oh no and like 
he gets like wiggled. Oh no, my boy toy. Yeah, he gets wiggled and then he gets slurped and then she's like, you know, mad about it. So she immediately runs over to him, cradles uh, his body, and then like you just start seeing like the rest of the the orange wiggly yeah. boos kind of come on up. And then it's you- very eldritch though. It's cool how like you think it's like one thing, and then you the camera pans out and she's just like surrounded by like a dozen huge ten- tendrils and you're just like oh she's good she's yeah good. and so it's super weird because it brings back that same like that same moment with like the sergeant and the captain it's like she doesn't really say anything to him until it's too late <laughs> yeah and then and then he's gone and then bef- she's like she lives in this moment of regret where like she holds his body and like i i feel for her like like you can definitely sense that there's like she she did that because she felt regret for like literally the moment of like not saying anything or not telling how she felt. But like she kind of lived in like this whole world where like he wasn't quite good enough for her or like he wasn't her ideal man, but she still liked him and stuff like that. So like it's it's a whole bunch of weird things when you look back at like how they interacted and it kind of leads to her like submitting her life in this moment because she could have just easily yeah. been like, oh, shit, and like ran away. But she decided to stay and, like, die in the same way that, uh, you know, her her yeah. uh, brother-in-arm. I, mean, I do feel, though, that, like, this scene, it's it's so functional and so tropey that it's kind of disappointing. Like, it, it really, to me, it actually draws attention to how little development these characters had, right? They're just, like, the crew. And this scene is, like, just gonna get rid of all the loose ends and reduce us to our like four main characters right like that's kind of what's yeah, happening here they're just kind of fodder and it sh- it's yeah. kind of shitty because yeah. they they could have spent time on uh like the background between the sergeant and the captain they could have spent more time on like why jane tolerates uh neil so much and like you know why well that's what the uh, that's what the that final fantasy, has a chance with her kind of a deal. that's what the final fantasy the spirits within the extended universe books are for you're right. I forgot about yeah, those. Yeah, you didn't think about that. You're not a true fan. You're not an old head. I know. I got to get back on the Reddit and I got to start reading <laughs> the all the fanfic. The spirits and... within subreddit? <laughs> it probably exists. Oh my God. We'll check it out after yeah. this one. But so, okay. Fucking... But yeah, getting back to it. Like, right. So they die and like, the, you know, we see the captain. He's freaking out. And then there's a shot from his perspective. Oh, he's full mad. There's a shot from his perspective where we actually see the size of this thing. It's like one monster. And... Oh boy, it's it's, it's a big boy. It's a, it's a big old boy. Oh, it's it's a massive. It's literally lad. bigger than their entire ship. Been eating his Wheaties. Oh yeah, it's a big old bug boy too. I don't know. It's like the, the the construction of these things. You know, we've been saying it's Eldritch. It's like um, it's Lovecraftian. Like they have weird like bug like elements to them. Like there's a lot of, that's familiar about these like creatures. There's like com- they're like comprised of elements of like creepy crawlies you know from like our world so it makes me wonder like where that structure comes from maybe it's like they're tapping into the primal fears that we have or something who can say who can say um kind of getting close to the end of this you know they have the ship free it's got the fuel cells and stuff like that and it's just kind of like captain gray is going to be in this whole like you know victorious moment of like you get on the ship with Dr. Uh, Dr. With Dr. Sid. <laughs> you got to complete your mission. Yeah. And then I'm just going to be here and I'm just going to shoot at this massive thing, draw yeah. its attention. Well, he gets to save them, right? Like, yeah, he was probably mortally wounded, but he wasn't dead. And he kind of, you know, uses gun 
to distract the monster and like draw its attention to get them an opening. And it's, it's sweet. You know, it's a classic trope, but it works. So, you know, he's others. It's very, uh, it's very Pearl like, Harbor. You know, he's going to go down like this. <laughs> yeah. And then like, you know, just the side of it, the ship kind of comes down and Ak is like, like, I'm not leaving you. You need to get on this ship. Like. You you have to make it. And the only way that he makes it is like he does like the slow motion run. And when he jumps, he throws his gun yeah. aside just so that way he could like make the landing on it. And I remember you had a really good um a really good point about this. Do you want to talk about well, that? Yeah. And that'll that'll close out this yeah, whole I mean, scene. We've been we've been talking about how this you know, there's this duality between the scientists and the military, right? And like this like a difference of approach to the to these monsters and you know the captain here he's kind of this like in this liminal place right where he's in love with um aki and he but he's still you know a soldier and in this scene he's kind of forced to you know symbolically throw away his like the military part of himself right like he drops the gun and the gun dropping the gun is what allows him to like you know catch on to um you know aki and it's like part of this transition that he goes through, right? Where he's like, he's like abandoning these weapons of war, these like this violent way and, and, you know, trying, trying to become something different. So, yeah, it's, it's like giving, giving into, uh, giving into your fears and like letting loose of like, you know, the things that you were comfortable with and just like kind of living in like this whole right. new. Because he literally takes a leap of faith, yeah, right? It is, like, it is the literal he, he leap hopes of faith. that he'll catch it. <laughs> yeah it's cool it works i think it works pretty well and it's it's marks this big transition point for yeah him. it's it's a big it's a big moment right and so uh our heroes escape with barely barely enough to kind of keep them keep them afloat all they have is just the the next mission the seven or the uh the eighth spirit the final spirit um they just gotta kind of track it down but they can't track it down from where they're at they go all the way up to outer space yeah, they got to go to space. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, we have like this kind of interesting scene. Um, no real words are spoken, but like you just have the zero gravity. Uh, like Aki is just really upset. You know, basically so many people died. Um, nobody kind of knows why or how the spirits were able to kind of get in. I mean, the council didn't even know. We'll, we'll see a little point about that later on uh, in the next scene. But you know, you have uh, Captain Gray and Aki Ross, like they're kind of floating in zero G and they, they, they share like this, this like moment and like they, they finally get that kind of kiss in there. Like what, what had been started in the elevator has now progressed yeah. to outer space. And, and it's a very, it's a very sticky Dane moment, right? Because they're also in like a zero G kind of situation. It's yeah. Cute. And it, it is heavily implied that they they did share some closeness. It, it, it is pretty implied by the way that they kind of like float off of the scene. And then, yeah, yeah they, they, they float out of the scene. And then like later on in like the cockpit, like they both kind of come back at the same time. And like Sid just kind of like, huh, 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 you guys are all done. Like, <laughs> he's, it's like he had that moment where like, oh, oh I got to put my headphones and I'm looking straight kind <laughs> yeah, of a deal. Yeah, I'm focusing on piloting the ship. Yeah. But I will say also, this is a, a like an echo of the earlier scene, right? Where it was much more juvenile the last time that he tried to like kiss her. You know, it's like the classic like, oh, I'm going to have my boys like lock us in the elevator and then we'll have like our 10 minutes in heaven. 
and yeah, it feels really stilted. Energy. Yeah, it's very frat boy. It feels very stilted and forced. And this time it's so much more organic, right? They've like, you know, they've shed their armor and they're totally open to each other. And they've gone through this incredible, you know, crisis. And now they share this this thing. And it's, you know, it's it works. Like, it's beautiful. And like that now they're able to actually consummate that uh, that affection that they had with each other. So you have that kind of play out and then you have like this, this short little scene of like, you know, General Hein, like. And it's a really cool transition too. like the ship yeah. itself morphs into a bullet and then it's like fades to show like a lot of bullets floating in zero G and we pan down to General Hein, like terrific Mwah. masterpiece. General Hines having a whole crisis of faith here, right? So he's like, you know, like, what have I done? Like, I, I, I basically destroyed the city single handedly. And then, like, my whole career and, and shit like that is over, right? <laughs> they just ruined this and whole so, man's career, and this whole man is me. Yeah. So, like, you know, he's he's got, like, you know, his gun in his hand, and he's trying to do, like, that that whole thing where you're like, oh, shit, he's, he, he, he's he about do to do the it. Thing, like, he's about to bust. Yeah. Yep. And then he goes, aha, I have so much more evil <laughs> to, to unleash on this world. And he goes, I can't do it now. I can't, so, I can't go out like a bitch. Um, I got I to do something grand. Yeah, so I, I I forget what he does, but he I think he goes back to his either his office or he gets to a computer. Yeah. Right. And um, he he learns like he, he gets like a shuttle out to the right, Zeus right. cannon. He sets course for Zeus. And then, uh, yeah, sets, sets course for the Zeus cannon. When he lands on it, he like he gets like a call from the council and he goes and they, they have to like kind of let you know that they got off <laughs> uh like scot-free so you know he's like uh council i don't know what happened but i'm so glad to hear that you escaped new york city before it was too late like they they have to kind of throw that out there like you can't just like oh well they're calling you from here they must have been safe like they had to kind of throw that out there but uh, he spins this really quick yarn about like, we don't know what happened. We don't know how they got through our city. And again, like he has to like really twist this, um, uh, twist this story. Cause it's assumed that everybody that saw him do his coup died, you know? So he's got no witnesses. He can still keep doing all of his bullshit. Uh, so he's like, yeah, no, like, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, they're getting stronger. We have to use the Zeus cannon. We have yeah. no. And choice, in the right? intercut with this scene, like, in, in the middle, like the other crew is also talking about their plans. And um, you know, Sid yeah. said that he he found this, you know, the whatever sensor or life form for the eighth spirit, and it's at the center of the crater where the initial asteroid hit. Um, and you know, they're saying, oh, that's that's strange. Nothing should be able to live there. Only phantoms pregnant ellipses dot 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 <laughs> yeah so they, they have like this uh this thing where it's just like well we don't know what it is it's somehow the the phantom there has um found new life and it's it's attached itself to it so we have to get down there so yeah. now we have our second uh cataclysmic and our our very ultimate like uh our penultimate as you say no penultimate was the last one this is the actual ultimate fight right where um, our heroes need to get down to the crater in Africa, uh, crater of all life. They have to get down there and then they have to find the eighth spirit, get it inside of Aki and then thing will happen. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then, have, and yeah, then next scene. <laughs> yeah. And then you have general Hein that's like, okay, you know, like we have the go ahead. We're going to go ahead and fire the Zeus cannon. So we have, <laughs> Uh, we have Scooby-Doo and the gang versus the base cannon. Basically. 
So descending on down to uh, Africa, we have the uh, we have this weird like <laughs> to to use something from earlier. It's like the little sub yeah yeah it is uh, like that. thing. It's very so cute. it's yeah so the the ship. So the ship kind of goes down, it flies a low altitude and just drops this little submarine that has like this little barrier mm-hmm. around it. And inside the barrier is Aki and Captain Gray sits flying right. the ship. And so they kind of, they get to drop down there innocuously. Like you get to see all the little spirits that are kind of going out and about. And then they're like, yeah. okay, well, you know, like we have this idea, like, okay, everything is kind of And this, smoothly. this crater, you know, we get a shot the, of it and it's like kind of like really fucking scary like it's it's not just like a flat you know bowl in the center of it is this like strange like geological form of something this like whatever kernel of these things and it's like stretching outward like an explosion or like a flower or something it's like black like eldritch horrific thing and there's like these weird crystals all around it it's like this is this some bad juju down here. I, I don't have good vibes down in this crater. I don't feel so good about this one. It's like the Dead Space monolith, yeah. right? Like it, it's got like that that whole like uh like weird like it actually it reminds me pyramid esque like tendrils. it reminds me of a, a particular part of Outer Wilds, which I can't talk about anymore without spoiling. But if old heads who played Outer Wilds, you know what I'm talking about. And I don't because I haven't played it yet. But it's it's on it's on the shorter list of my long list of video games that will never end. The people know what I'm talking about. The people out there. <laughs> don't at me until I know, and then I will. I'll hit you up with this like in about a year and a half when I finally get to Outer Wilds. I'll be like, oh, that thing. Yeah. I know that thing now. And then we also get a shot of like the Zeus station, and it's. What a ship this is. We're getting we're getting an idea of what this thing's shaped like, and it looks like a thing, and we'll get a more of a glimpse of it looking like <laughs> that thing at, at later. But there's also this like kind of almost like wings, like there's these these like turrets, like the the cannons on it are almost like a, like an angel wing or something. Like it, it looks like many different things. I will say. Yeah. So like you have like this giant cylindrical tube, right? And then you have these like branching off wings that have like their little coolant systems on yeah. it, I think is like, like it's, it's weird because we get so much more knowledge about what this thing is than anything else in the movie. Cause like, I would say that the, the top three things that I know about this movie is how the Zeus cannon works, <laughs> where, where the spirits came from. And then, uh, how, how everything kind of comes together. Cause that, that's it. Like, you have very loose rules on how this world operates. You have very loose rules on what Aki's planning to do as soon as the right. spirit like gets complete. And, and I feel like at least that last one, you should have pretty, pretty solid plan on to like what it does. Like outside of the whole Gaia theory, uh, and like Sid's notebook, like that's the only thing that I have to go off. Of well, it, maybe right? that's, the, that's the spirit is planning to return enriched by what was, but I mean, maybe that's kind of, that comes with the territory, right? Like the whole idea is violence is easy to understand. Like the, the intentions of the military, it's easy to understand. It's easy to sell. You just say like, look, they're, they're bad guy and we use gun and we kill bad guy. And like, it's very easy to understand what the Zeus cannon does. It's a cannon. It shoot, it shoot the big beam, but like, clinging to life and empathy they're much more complex kind of things you know and 
it requires, as we said earlier, a leap of faith. So we're, we are assuming that, you know, what Aki's doing is the right thing. It feels right, but we don't really know where it's leading. And that's kind of what life is like. Like killing is easy. We know where it leads. It leads to death. Life is different. Life could, you know, permutate into almost anything. We have, as they're descending into it, we get the first shot of the Zeus right. cannon. And, oh boy. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you thought that this meteor crater looked scary before, just wait and see what happens after this. So it goes from just like this dark, like menacing yeah. big stone thing. And then after the first shot of the Zeus cannon, it like... Yeah. sprouts like, to life <laughs> and it turns into like this like almost like a yager cell kind of a deal right like a big orange world oh God, tree it's so horrifying. and all the like all the the big like phantom dragons start swarming and it's it's like you know when you squish a spider egg and like a million spiders come out and you're just like oh no what have i done yeah i just i've compounded my problems <laughs> 10 times already yeah and then uh well what happens when uh, you, you, you do something and it doesn't have the result that you expected to happen. Well, you do the same thing and you expect you different results, right? So, so, uh, he fires once again. Um, and this was even after like Aki trying to get a transmission in through, uh, to the general, like, like right before he does the, like, uh, yo bro, the what the fuck? Shot. Yeah. She's like, don't do this. <laughs> like, like, do you see what you're doing? Like, you're you're not only hurting the spirit, but you're also hurting Gaia. And then he's so, like, blinded by ambition or rage or whatever else he let, he has left to, like, hold on to. And he's, well, I mean, like, the spirit's in you. And, you know, you're telling us to stop. So I'm trying to kill the spirit. So if the enemy is telling me to stop, then I should keep going. You know, like, he he's just circular logic of, like, if bad is telling me to stop firing on bad thing, then what I'm doing is good. Yeah, and crucially... Which is dangerous thinking. This gigantic eldritch horror that's awoken by the Zeus cannon, it, one of its big old, big old umbilical cord legs like slams into our, our, our heroes, our erstwhile heroes, and knocks them loose from the ship, and they have to crash land onto the crater. So they, they in it now. Yeah, and then we... we yeah, so so they're not getting back out. Uh, they had a little bit of uh, time to like kind of get in contact with you know Sid, and they're like, "Well, okay, well we're down here. We have no choice. We have to find the eighth spirit. Where's the eighth spirit?" And he goes, "I lost it." And like, well, what do you mean? Like you lost it? It's like, well, I think the Zeus cannon killed it. And you're like, well, <laughs> shit. It's very anticlimactic. So, you're so, just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So so they're down there. They're and they're they're in a uh, position where there's absolutely no yeah. like escape right like above them is this gigantic orange thing and they have like numerous small spirits that are uh seem to forget that they can just go through things because they're crawling down the the wall like they're 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 descending slowly when they can like glide or just kind of come out of the ground willy-nilly as we've seen multiple times before so it's like it, it feels like they're only doing it as if they're like hey you know be really dramatic what if we just crawled towards these people and just really made them understand how <laughs> fucked they are and then right below her is this big blue like ocean thing and then you know all in one moment she's like 
there's a spirit and there is Gaia. The Gaia theory is correct. Yeah. I was right. Like, you know, like if there's any time to be right, it's at the final mm-hmm. moments. Vindication. Of your life. But, but like, yeah. And then uh, I believe there's a third fire of of yeah. the and crucially the crew is even telling down Ayn, into like, it. Yo, bro, this like the, the weapon is overheated, and he's just like keep shooting. Like, has this man? Does he have a no weapons training? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So like he, there's one more shot that goes straight down, and like it, it, it goes through the spirit and it actually penetrates and it, it like damages Gaia, right? So. Now, like, the the orange is getting even closer to the blue, and that's, like... That bad. We yeah, like we're, that. we're left to believe that that's, like, if orange touches blue, orange is going to take over <laughs> in, like, the, the ultimate fashion, right? Um, yeah. But, so, like, right when all hope seems lost, there's, like, a reading, and they're, like, the, the, the eighth spirit, we got it. And they're like, what? Like, yeah, you, Aki, you got the eighth spirit. Like, it it must have found some life to uh, to cling on to. And so this was the thing that I wanted to talk to you about. Like, at the very beginning of it, I was like, do I do I spoil this big epiphany that I had or, or not? So the reason why Aki, from what I'm understanding of what everything of what this movie is trying to tell me, the reason that Aki got the eighth spirit and then the eighth spirit found its way to Aki is because it found new life to attach onto. The new life was literally the freshly fertilized uh, embryo inside of Aki via Captain Gray. Oh, shit. <laughs> that makes so much sense. Yeah, so I didn't get this until the third time that I watched the movie because it's it's just so like it, it's, a it's lot. not that it's out there. <laughs> yeah, it's not that it's out there, but like God, like just randomly they just kind of pull that out of their ass. Like it's actually a solid plot point. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's interesting too because she has like an encounter down there. Like the the screen gets all all hazy. And she like collapses, right? And then mm-hmm. there's like she like she clutches her her chest, and there's like like all of these like purple the kind of swirls that merge together into like one kind of humanoid figure, not humanoid, but like bipedal figure, and they like make eye contact, and you're not really sure what it is, right? But then it like shoves its tendrils into her. Um, and then she, yeah. she like Spe- specifically in, in a, uh, a particular location. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, not, I mean, not just there all over her body. Right. Um, and then there's this swirling blue that goes down below her feet. And then we see the same, like standing on the surface of water, like, like, sh- like looking up through a clear kind of membrane thing again. And then we return. Yeah, like how we open up the yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly, like the beginning of the movie. And then we return to her. She looks over the vista of this, like, battleground that she's been having these visions about. And it's lush and green, you know, and it seems like it's spreading from her. And it specifically says, like, with the hope of new life, has Gaia changed the phantom within? And we got there, folks. We got there. The spirits within, baby. <laughs> Yes, like 99.9%. It's so frustrating that they did not say the spirit within. I wonder, I mean, this movie, when did The Phantom Menace come out? 
2001, I want to say. So same year, right? It Did they change the title because of like LucasArts was going to sue them if they called it The Phantoms Within? God, that'd be hilarious about it. That's the deep, that's the deep lore, the deep lore of yeah. the movie. Incredible. We're really uncovering the mystery here, folks. We're getting right to yeah, the bottom so, of it. Yeah, so we we have that. So now, okay, Aki has the eighth spirit. She's got all the spirits. Now we're kind of at a loss to kind of figure out what's going on. We get a sweet, we get a sweet cut back to General Hine doing what he do best, which is murder his own people. And he's taking it upon himself. To go into some part of like uh, control, yeah. Uh, he like, got to like reload big gun. Like he he goes deep into the bowels of big gun, and like he's just hitting buttons, pulling levers, and like there's just <laughs> alarms going. Off he is going absolutely hogwash. And he's just like fire, fire, and like he's like there's explosions, and he's just like he and like he thinks he does everything, and he hits the whole button, and then he goes, well, why is it not firing? And then like. He just then he starts to look around him and he goes, did I do that? And then it all explodes. Yeah. Um, and I think <laughs> that just is that scene where we get like a full profile view of the of the gu- the big gun or not yet? Uh, no, we actually got the full profile of it. Like when when uh, after he like docked into it, like it zoomed okay. out and it said like the zoom. Yeah, because and it, 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 it's shaped like a fallopian tube. Can we say that? I mean, it, that's what it looks like. It's like a big, a big old, big old that, T, yeah. big old Y, you know, in comparison to like the the eighth spirit and then how Aki yeah. gets it. I, I think that they were they're really trying to like, you know, uh, <laughs> really trying to hit yeah, home with this. Like metaphor. I said earlier, this movie, not subtle, not subtle. <laughs> But there's a, there's no. also a conversation. But it's just subtle enough that you it takes three times for me to realize that she was <laughs> pregnant and that this the the eighth spirit found her because it uh, it joined with I guess her her soon to be yeah. baby. And I mean you know it just goes to show right if you don't like a movie just watch it until you're ready to die and then you'll you'll like it. Yeah, just beat yourself into <laughs> submission of your own. Submit choice. to the spirits within. Um, there's also a scene like on the ship right before we cut to Hine, um, where like Aki is talking to the captain and she's like, give me your ovo pack. Like I need to use it to, to do something. And he's like, but we'll be defenseless. Right. She's like, no, you have to trust me. And it's another instance, right. Of him giving up like his like violent ways and trusting and leap of faith. Um, but she explains that like they can use the energy from the, the like ovo pack to like create a barrier or something, some, some sciencey wincey shit. Um, Mm-hmm. But they're 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 again drawing attention to this connection between like the technology that protects them and the life inside Aki and this like this whole thing like there's a kind of continuum here, but she needs to use it to project the eighth wave. It's cr- critical, so they have to let their yeah. shields down and then they use that to you know it's it's a metaphor, right? They lower their shields so they can project out and like contact this like this other speed you know this other mind or whatever. Finally, we're at the uh, the last the last like 10 minutes of the movie. And um, I forget exactly how it happens, but uh, uh, Captain Gray gets injured. Right. So I think it was one of the um, one of the the Zeus cannon uh, blasts that like injured him on like the yeah. descent down. And it's looking like uh, our boy ain't going to make it. So. Uh, and it's also yeah. looking Basically, really dire the, the for Zeus cannon, right? the final blast hits and it just fucks everything up. And then he's like crushed underneath a bunch of like metal and stuff. And 
Aki saves him, but he's injured. Yeah, so you have like literally 20 feet above you is this orange wall that's just like slowly <laughs> like like Indiana Jones style just kind of crushing down. And then you have like this glowing blue thing underneath, right, the, of, of like Gaia. And then it's just – it's this cliff face and it's this like overwhelming of like it's all over for us. But he he's like, okay, you know what? Like give the spirit to me. Like project the wave – through me and use me as a conduit to, you know, make your whole journey come through because yeah. I'm and already he says, not like, you know, it. you saved my life once and now I need to return the favor. It's, you know, yeah. it's like reciprocal. And so like, this is, oh, actually I want one you to those, save like, yourself the, is what he said. And so I guess her entire plan was to get the, the spirits and then sacrifice herself. So that way the spiritual menace would be solved. Yeah. And so now he's like, well, I'm in I'm in no condition to like live. And we actually get like an actual genuine emotional pull yes. because these characters have actually had time <laughs> to develop to go through an and arc. You actually wow. Can care. Yeah. Yeah. So you can actually care about them. And then <laughs> the only two um, characters that have any growth, really. And even even Aki doesn't really have that much growth. It's mostly just the captain. You have like this really nice scene that's like kind of emotional. I wouldn't say it's super emotional, but like there, there's a there's a couple of tugs where uh, the wave starts to get down. He reaches his hand up to meet it and he's holding. Her I do want to say before we get there, though, that the, the orange like force bearing down on them. It, it's very clearly like membranous, right? It's like this big membrane. And to me, it feels, you know, very like birth-like or something like, you know, embryonic. Like it has this kind of organic, like, you know, it feels like, like, I don't know, like it, it, feel, it, it says embryo to me, right? Like birth or something like coming mm-hmm. towards them. Like they're inside of a womb or something like that. It's got little veins and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can see that. I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it does. It does have like... Uh, I think there's even like a faint, like almost like heartbeat yeah, kind of sound. Like there, there's like a sound, like a sound effect, like along those lines. I think I remember yeah. hearing something like that. He he touches the thing, and like you can start to see like his kind of spirit, like pulling away from his body, as we've seen a couple of times before. But what's weird is from Aki, what we see is like this weird like energy kind of and pulls crucially, from he her. says to her, "I love you," which I don't think he's actually said before. Yeah, and like this is actually like it, it's a complete flip from like all the other stuff that he's like because he was full on military man and like yeah. in like the last couple of scenes of it, he's just been very soft and emotionally available and like in the moment. Right. So it's very important in that moment that he's like he knows it's the end. He knows how much she means to him. She's trying, he's trying to do two things. He's trying to save her and he's also trying to help her complete her goal. So that way she gets a new lease on life. Right. Right. Uh, he gets pulled away. Uh, yeah, the, he turns the to Capri energy from Aki, like transfers through their hands. And then like, as it goes up into the orange, there's kind of like this, like, uh, this blast of, uh, like energy. Yeah. And then the whole and thing gets Capri sunned. Yeah. <laughs> it really does though. <laughs> uh, it just slurps it all up and then it just like, it, uh, transforms and then it just like dissipates. Right. And it dissipates into like this nice rain of like light blue. Right. And also it, it sends this column like up into the sky and it's directly contrasted with 
you know, the downward vertical beam of the Zeus cannon in orange, right? This time mm-hmm. it's this upward ascent of like a blue beam. I mean, we don't actually get to see where it goes. Uh, the assumption is that it goes back to the source of where like it's sending oh, the spirits yeah, back. I hadn't thought of that. At the very least, it, it mirrors that thing, right? Like the shrapnel coming to us and sending back like love and new life back. Like, that's cool. I like that. And then, like, the the final scene is, like, Sid's out, you know, reaching his hand out, and, like, the blue thing is kind of <laughs> coming goes, through oh, his hand. He goes, oh, it's warm. Yeah. Oh, it's warm. <laughs> and then, like, Aki's being lifted out of the crater, and then, like, it just shows a nice mountain vista, and then the credits yeah. roll. And you're like, what? We did it. Like, I have so many, yeah, I we have so it, many Pat. more questions. We saved the we city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, no, I mean, it's. Okay, there's this mountain range here, right? And you and I were talking about this, um, like what it means, right? Because they see the dawn over this mountain range, you know, near northern Africa. And there's like a, a, an eagle flying, right? And at first I, I thought, it was like, oh, is it kind of like, like the ark, you know, like a dove with like, um, you know, with new like, uh, like a, you know, an olive branch to show that the flood has receded. But like, no, actually, you were talking about something in like... Um, you know, in like Greek mythology, right? Uh, Prometheus and the Caucasus Mountains, like, I believe, I is something that, we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Because we looked it up, right? And like, I, I think that these are supposed to be the Caucasus Mountains. Um, and yeah, that's like actually where the Prometheus myth happened. I don't know about that. Because like, the aren't the Caucasus Mountains like far up, close to like, closer to like Europe? Or are they actually in Africa? Because the the crater is in Africa. They're they're on the border. They're on the border of like the Mediterranean and oh, okay. Asia. Um and yeah, like there's a lot of myths about Titans, um, but specifically, um, the, the, specifically the, the Promethean myth. And the more I thought about it, the more I, I realized, you know, there's a lot of parallels there. This idea of like techno- fire as technology and the like power it gives you, but it comes with destructiveness and this idea of like a gift from the gods that tortures you and your punishment for it. Um, but also this like that it, I don't know if it was the Greeks, but like the, the people of the Caucasus mountains, they, they believed that like these, that this mountain was, um, you know, a symbol of the end of the world, but also a place that life comes from. And so that idea of like ends, ends being beginnings and that cycle kind of thing. I feel like it really ties in with the like themes of this, um, you know, the duality at the heart of this movie, uh, closing thoughts. Do you have any closing thoughts about this movie? How you felt about it? The some, if not the only couple of themes within it. I I mean, this movie's a lot, and I'm not gonna say it's a good movie, <laughs> but um, there's really cool stuff in it. And personally, for my own ethics, you know, my own kind of spiritual background, it, it's very meaningful. There's a lot of really important lessons to be. It's a little, it's a little like hack and eat a little pat, right? Like oh killing people bad but i think it's a lesson that we need to we need right now i mean you know on the brink of global war maybe like this idea of like war and violence and distrust and antipathy being you know this destructive feedback loop that can it it can obliterate everything and there's that there's always even at the end the hope you know that you can reach out and you know, start fresh and, you know, cling to empathy. I don't know. It's beautiful. I wish it had been executed better. 
Like, I wish it Same. wasn't a fucking mess, <laughs> but yeah. I like what they were trying to do with it. I think I can say that there there's a lot, a couple of uh, themes in here that I do really like. Uh, I like that they play around with, like this whole Gaia hypothesis. Um, it, the design space for this movie was very close to, you know, Final Fantasy seven, eight and nine is when the story the production, all that stuff was kind of really uh, taken off. Um. I like a lot of this, like, they they weren't ahead of their time with, like, the whole military scientist, uh, like, duality, which is the military we have to attack and defeat, and the scientists we have to understand and cure aspect of it. They're not yeah. original with it, but, like, I definitely think that that could have been a lot better. Um, well, the, the weirdest thing yeah, that they, the my last point is, like, the weirdest thing that they do in this is that they really kind of press off of this whole idea of the uh, orange alien violence versus the blue human kindness. Yeah. Kind of a deal. And like, it's weird that they're making like violence and stuff like that is such an alien concept as if it's like, it wasn't something that is a natural. Well, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think I originally thought the same thing that like, Oh, the human stuff is blue and the alien stuff is, is orange. But I think it's more the phantoms are red and orange and the phantoms aren't, they don't all look the same as the creatures that we saw in the visions. And I think that the, the orange and red, it implies the spirit of like, malice and the spirit of rage and the spirit of resentment like what the the like curse the virus of you know violence and warfare is and blue represents you know life and um you know empathy and and this like, idea of like rebirth um it's like this cooling water right like water versus fire and i feel like that's a much stronger read on it um because like there are some times where red is associated with humans, right? Like the the Zeus canon is is an orange kind of thing, and there's times when the blue is associated with the with the aliens. Like there's even a purple alien, so I don't think it's as cut and dry. Um, and I think that it's we shouldn't really consider the phantoms and the aliens to be the same thing, because they're like this some kind of like phenomena that happened after all of the aliens were destroyed. So kind of like not all the aliens are are like this orange right. malice. It's just that a certain amount of them are this orange malice. Cause I mean, there are like the, the big creatures and it doesn't really seem like they're, they specifically right, are bent right. out of shape on, um, I mean, it's implied, it, right? Like it just, it seems like the, yeah, the soldiers exactly. are the ones that are actually, and it's implied that, you know, this, this thing consumed their planet and obliterated it. And it's like a tragedy. It's not like that was the foundation of their society. It was like some kind of war broke out and, it, you know, they, they blew it all up. Right. And another thing that um, that struck me is, you know, this idea of Gaia theory. Right. Like we talked a little bit about it in the beginning, but Gaia theories are a real thing, even for planet Earth. Um, and you can go more metaphysical and more religious with it and, and think that really there's a spirit at the center of the Earth. But even in ecology, the function of Gaia theory works you know, because there ultimately is a single ecosphere that all life on Earth is a part of that you can't really escape. Like, even though humans would like to think that we are like separate from our environment, we aren't right. We still breathe air. We need the temperature to be a certain way. We need energy. We need sunlight, like all the things that life needs. We continue to need. And, you know, we don't really escape um, that that sphere. Right. And so in a sense, like I was saying at the beginning, you know, 
you can go in the macro sense, like a fractal kind of thing, groups of groups of groups, you could define Earth as a single organism. Um, and I think it's really important for people to grapple with this idea of us all being part of the same, you know, the same living thing, like Mother Earth, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and how like that can be laughed at by people who are deeply, you know, and like anti-life, right? Like biophobic or something, this like cold, unfeeling mechanism of like the military industrial complex, for example, right? Or government, like bureaucracy, these things that separate us from what's really important and how the, the way our, the heroes win in this movie is by throwing that away and reaching out to each other and remembering what's important and what's important is life and love you know, and, and humanity and, and kindness. Yeah. I, I, I like those points. Those all, those all definitely ring, um, yeah. ring true to me. And, and also, you know, I mentioned, you know, this, this growing war because it's topical, um, you know, the war in Ukraine, but this movie was written in 2001 and in 2001, we were talking about global warming and we're still fucking talking about global warming. Um, we haven't really done much, but that is an existential threat to our ecosphere. And so that I feel like that's the strongest read of this thing is that like this machine at the center of our society is pushing us to the brink and it's going to destroy everything, right? Like it's that's the most obvious read to me. And the way we break free of that is to understand that the systems in place are not helping us. Actually, they're, they're making things worse and we need to grapple with that we need to understand the legacy of our decisions and the, the potential outcome of those decisions and see you know our future right our future is destruction and we need to find a way to start fresh start over do something different you know i i couldn't agree more uh well i believe that takes uh all the time that we have for this radio we're gonna triangulate our signal I soon <laughs> i think i think we've we've successfully taken it over yeah and uh, we'll have to see if we can't do this one again. Uh, they might get smart and they might be able to take this back from us. But uh, I think I should go ahead and we should get these radio towers reconfigured. Yeah, that way nobody is none the wiser. Would you like to fire my Zeus cannon? Yo, uh, hell yeah. So uh, <laughs> I don't have any credits, unfortunately. So I'm just going to I know it's it's totally, totally ready with this. Uh, so I'm just going to thank, uh, Carl, Curtis, yeah, and Alex homies. for letting us take over this podcast. Uh, this was an idea that we had way back in November last year and, uh, we've been trying to figure out how to really, uh, get this through and have this be kind of something that's kind of fun. And it just so happened that April Fools, uh, landed on this exact day in this exact place centralized entirely in your area May in your podcast you? so ooh, i'll send you send you a picture later so <laughs> uh thank you guys so, so much for letting us take over your podcast and uh let's go ahead and cut transmission bye Open's everywhere July 11th.